Praise God. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and open to the book of Romans, chapter 8, and we'll be there in just a moment. Last week, we began a series by giving you a couple of reasons that we ought to praise God in this series, 10,000 Reasons. We said God responds to faith. That's a reason we ought to praise God. And we said that God is no respecter of persons, which means He responds to anybody's faith. So this morning, in in the few minutes that we have left, I want to give you 9,998 reasons to praise God. I just want to talk to you for a few moments in this series uh, this morning. And one of the things that we said was that God's criteria for meeting your need is not your past behavior, it's your present belief. And so if you can say amen to that song that we just heard, I am redeemed, if you can say amen... I've been changed. Listen, you may not have God ever do another thing for you, and you still have all the reason in the world right now to be grateful, to get up every morning of your life and to praise God, to give God thanks for what He's done, if that's all He's done, if He never does anything else for you. If you can say, Amen, I've been redeemed. He saved me. I want to tell you today, that is enough. And my hope in this series for uh, the next couple of weeks as we go through the month, of November is that we would get to the place that we begin to see the goodness of God like never before. That Thanksgiving would not be an expression that we offer or an emotion that we feel, but that it would be the lens that we look at life through. That gratitude would be the the foundation. That praise would be our perspective. That it's not something that comes and goes, but it's something that is sustaining. That truly we cannot say I'm showing gratitude, but I am Grateful. God has blessed my life. That's what I want for you. And the fact is this. God has done more for you. It would be enough if all he did was save you. But he has done more. And some of you are nodding and saying amen already. And that's awesome. But listen. God's done even more than you realize. He is so good to us. And I want to help you see that. For just a few moments. You know there's a saying that we have in the church. And in fact. uh, Ironically. Ironically. Brother Don said it this morning, and you chimed right in. Some of you, I can tell you've been in the church for a while. He said, and you respond if you know the correct response, God is good, and all the time. Some of y'all never heard that before, so I'm going to let you play along. We're going to try that one more time. You you, you heard that earlier, and you're like, what just happened? You're looking in the program like, is there is there a moment where we do? I didn't know this was that kind of church. Am I supposed to say something when he says something? We say, God is good. Yeah, you got to say it. Somebody over here has been in church. They say, all the time. That's the way you're supposed to say it. God is good. And all the time. God is good. We say that and we believe that. But truth be told, honestly, we usually think that in moments where we've just come off a big wave of worship. Or moments where the preaching's getting good. Or where God, just somebody gave a testimony and we go, whoa, God is good. All the time and all the time, God is good. But hear me today, if that is only true in the good moments, if it's not true, let me say it like this, if it's not true in the bad moments, then it's not true at all. Amen? I mean, if we can't say that in the worst moments of our life, then we can't say it at all. That God is good all the time. Now, I'm not going to encourage you in, you know, in a terrible situation, you know, if you're, you're there 
uh, mourning the loss of a loved one that you try to rally everybody in the congregation to say, God is good all the time. You know, it's probably not the right moment for that. But it still ought to be true in your heart. You still ought to be able to say that God is good all the time. And I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to develop an ambidextrous faith. Here's what I mean by that. Now, only 1% of our society is ambidextrous. That's a person that can work just as easily with their right hand as with their left hand, equally efficient, and they can use them both at the same time. Anybody in here ambidextrous? Anybody one of the one percenters? All right, maybe a couple switch hitters, but to be actually ambidextrous, to just be fully functional with both hands is very unique. But what does it mean to be ambidextrous in your faith? A person who has an ambidextrous faith can hold the blessing of God in their right hand. And at the same time, they can hold the difficulties of life circumstances in their left hand. And they can use both of them to put faith in God, to use them to work out His purpose and His plan, His plan for their life. A purpose, a person who is ambidextrous can look at the good things in life and say, God is, God is working, God is moving, God is good. All the time He's working, but they can also just as equally and even at the same time look at the, the difficulties and the sorrow and the tribulation. And they can say, I believe just as much in this moment as I do in this moment that God is working for my good. That God is orchestrating his plan and his purpose for my life. That's an ambidextrous faith. And I want to challenge you today to have that kind of faith. I want you to look at a verse, Romans chapter 8. Many of you could quote this verse, and if you can't, you ought to memorize it. How many of you know it's important to memorize the word of God? There's some people that, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but there's some people that they can't quote a single scripture. But they can tell you the first string and the second string for their favorite football team. And they tell you, oh, I'm just not good at memorization. They can tell you who won the last five World Series or, you know, they can give you stats on all kinds of stuff. They can't quote a single verse out of God's word. You ought to memorize the word of God. I don't have time to go down that road. That wasn't in my notes. But if you're going to memorize the word of God, here's a good verse to start with. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I want to tell you this morning, God uses all things to work together for the good. The things in your right hand, the blessings of God and the the struggles and the difficult days and the, the failures and the shortcomings and the pitfalls. God uses all things. Talking about an ambidextrous faith that can have a perspective of gratitude that can recognize even in the most awkward, uncomfortable moments of life that God still has a plan. Now, hear me carefully. God does not call all things good. That's not what this verse says. God does not look at situations of abuse or child molestation or addiction or or rape. He doesn't look at 
the things that are in our lives because of sin and the sin nature and call those things good. He calls them evil. He calls them sin. He would never call those things good. But what this verse does promise is that in all things, God works for our good. And that's different. That God can work in all things. And and here's what I want you to understand. The difference, the difference in in having gratitude and a heart that sees what God can do and in being totally defeated and feeling like God has forsaken you. The difference is being able to make a distinction between what is the immediate good and what is ultimate good. Because sometimes you go through stuff and and you're wondering where God's at and what you're looking for in that moment is the immediate good. What's the good in this? And the truth is sometimes there is no good in it immediately. We look at that situation, and if we hinge our faith on our emotions in that moment, we say, God, there's no good in this, and so God's word must be a lie. God must not love me. He can't be working for my good. There's nothing good happening, because our perspective is sees no farther. It's nearsighted. It only sees the immediate good. But to understand this principle of Romans 8.28, we have to be able to zoom way out, and we have to be able to see what God's plan is a little farther down the road for our ultimate good. There's some things that you're going through in your life, maybe even today, you can't see any good in it. Some things that you've gone through, you'll never understand the plan of God in that situation until you step into His presence in heaven. And those are the hardest situations to trust Him with. Other situations you face, maybe it won't take that long. Maybe in a year or two, you'll get a little farther down the road that the things in the rearview mirror will come in to perspective. But the reality is we have to know, as well as we know that God works in the amen, God can move through the oh my. God is faithful. He's sovereign. And if you have an ambidextrous faith, you can say that I know, even in the midst of the impossibilities, I know that in all things, God works for the good. Of those who are called according to his purpose. But you have to make a distinction between what we would call the immediate good and what is the ultimate good. Mark Batterson, he's one of my favorite authors. He he tells a story, it's an old African folklore. And he tells a story about this king uh, who grew up with a guy who was his best friend. They did everything together. And one day, uh, the king and his best friend were going hunting. Now... The king's friend had this habit. It had become just a a thing that he did all the time. He would say, this is good. That's my best African folklore impersonation. He would say, this is good. How am I doing? All right. In any circumstance, that was his reply. Well, one day the king and his friend, they go hunting. And the friend loads the firearm and he gives it to the king. And the king shoots it and the gun misfired and blew his thumb off. And the king screams and the friend says, this is good. The king gets so mad. He said, this is not good. I just blew my thumb off. And he had his best friend thrown in jail. So a year goes by. And the king is out hunting again, and this time without his friend. And he gets captured by a cannibal tribe. They take the king, and they tie him 
to a stake. And he's sitting there tied to the stake, thinking about his friend who he threw in jail. He's thinking, this is not good. And just before they light the fire, one of those cannibals notices that his thumb is missing. And they have a a tradition in their culture not to eat anyone who is not whole. And when they realize this man's missing a thumb, they untied him and they let him go. And so now the king is thinking about his friend and he realizes that the only reason that I didn't get cooked and eaten today is because my thumb was blown off. So it was good. So, as the story goes, he goes and he releases his friend who he had sent to prison. And he told him, he said, you were right. It was good that I had my thumb blown off. And I'm so sorry that I locked you in jail. It was not good that I did that. And his friend said, this was good. He said, what are you talking about? And he said, if I wasn't in jail, I would have been hunting with you. And I still have my thumbs. (laughs) That's the difference in seeing the immediate good and the ultimate good. A lot of times, we want to complain to God about the pains of today. And we don't realize that God has our ultimate good in mind talking about having an ambidextrous faith, a faith that cannot just raise a hand in praise and say, God is good, but a hand that can weep in sorrow and say, God is still good. God, God is still good. He's never forsaken me. He's never abandoned me. Romans eight twenty eight. I want to read it again. I want to add one word this time, and I don't believe I'm doing damage to Scripture in doing this, but look at it. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the ultimate good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Can I tell you today that the heartache that you experience in life is not meant to shatter you. God meant it to shape you. He wants to shape you. He's doing a greater work in and through your life. I I can't think of a better example of that than the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 37 through 50 tells his story. If you've never sat down and and read it, I mean, it's like an incredible little uh, story right there. in Genesis 37 to 50, you ought to just sit down and and read that story. We don't have time to, to go into it today, but Joseph went through all kinds of life shattering circumstances, things that he could not see the immediate good in. When Joseph was just 17, God spoke to him. He gave him a dream. And, and he was so excited about what God told him that he went and told his family. And part of the dream was that his brothers and sisters who, are, were, who were all older than him, that they would bow down and, uh, and reverence him. They got angry. And out of that story, his brothers sold him into slavery. They threw him in a pit. And then they sold him some Uh, to a caravan of people that were going to Egypt. Those people got to Egypt and put him on the trade block and he was sold as a slave into Potiphar's house. And so he made the best of his situation and before long, Joseph became the ruler in Potiphar's house. 
Everything he did was successful. And apparently he garnered the attention of Potiphar's wife. And then one day when he rejected her advances. She falsely accused him of attempting to rape her. And so Potiphar had him thrown in prison. And from that place, Joseph was forgotten. He was left there for years. He thought he had a couple opportunities to work himself out of the situation. But the people that he helped forgot about him when they got out of prison. And he sat there in that prison. It wasn't until Joseph was in his late 30s that God began to let him see the full picture, the manifestation of the dream. It wasn't until his middle-aged years that he was actually able to look at all of the the bad, all of the things that were taking place that he would not see the goodness of God. And, and all of a sudden, his faith became ambidextrous. And I want you to just see one verse. At the very end of his story, it's actually at the end of his At the end of uh, chapter 50, here's what the Bible says. His brothers were afraid that Joseph was was going to turn on them because now their father had passed away and they thought Joseph was going to take revenge for the way that they had mistreated him in his youth. But here's what he says to them. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. What an incredible perspective. That Joseph could look at all the stuff. The pit. The prison. Potiphar's house. Even his promotion into the palace. He looked at all of it. And he said God intended it for good. And you may have a situation in your life today. Where you really can't say. This looks like good. I mean if. If. If you tried to say God is good all the time and all the time God is good, it would be a sore spot for you because you're dealing with things that you wouldn't call good. And I just want to challenge your faith today to to zoom out a little bit from the, the the sensitive nerve endings of what you're dealing with and see that God works in all things for your ultimate good. And even those things that are not God's will, the sin, the atrocities, the bad choices... All of those things that God would never call good. Because he's sovereign. Because he's bigger. Because he's greater. Even in those things, God can work. And that does something for us. That puts us in a place of faith. Where we're not saying, God, I praise you for all your goodness. Just meaning the things that seem good to me today. But we can say, God, I praise you for all your goodness. The things that I would say are good and the things that I would say are terrible. Because I recognize that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians. This this is an easy verse to quote. Three easy verses to memorize. But it's hard to live. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. 17. Pray continually. 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be joyful always. Pray 
continually. And give thanks to God in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God wants you to live your life with the lens of thanksgiving. And my hope for you today is this. Maybe you're here and you are going through some tough stuff. And your perspective on the goodness of God stops right there. But I want to challenge you to push past that today. I want to challenge you to see that God is good all the time. And that there may be a moment in your life today that you would curse. But there may be a day in your future that you'll thank God. You'll thank God for it. Just like that, that king who looked back with the right perspective and said, Oh, wait a minute. I didn't realize that God, God was allowing me to go through a temporary struggle to save my life. I'm going to pray for you today, right where you're at. I'm going to invite you with me to bow your head and and close your eyes. and, And I want you to take the moment. Maybe for you it's a difficult moment. It's an unanswered prayer. Maybe for you it's it's a hurt from your past. Maybe somebody did something to you. Could have been recently. It could have been years ago. But it's that moment in your life and in your heart of hearts you would say, this is the moment in my life where I see the goodness of God Coming to an end. It doesn't reach into this area of my heart. I believe God's good, but I I don't I don't believe He's good in this area. And I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you and invite you today to just pray a simple prayer towards God, a prayer of confidence, a prayer of hope. It says, God, I want to be able to trust you. For my ultimate good. God, I want to just, I don't want to just worship you when it feels right to me, God. I want to, I want to thank you for all your goodness. As we sang earlier, for all your goodness, I will keep on singing. 10,000 reasons. God, give us ambidextrous faith today. Allow us to lift a hand of victory. And a hand of sorrow in praise to you. And as we lift those hands to say, God, I trust that you're using it all for my good. For my good.